Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. And uh, uh, kind of a different layout if uh, you are new here or um, first time joining us. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently. And uh, of course, we're meeting in here. It is possible that not everyone got the word, so we still might have a few people wander in at 1030, and that's fine. Just be gracious with them. But um, yeah, thanks for being here. A lot has happened since we were together last time. Uh, we had the Timberlake camp out last weekend, and that was a lot of fun. We had four people get baptized, and um, just a really good weekend, and um, a little bit fun or dramatic at the one point when we realized our, our, we were going to have to scramble for new lunch plans, but that all came together okay. Uh, and then this last week as well, too, I was able to do a vision trip out with Jason Queering um, out in Utah, and uh, took Taylor Siebert and Rick Bartek with me, and so we were out there doing another vision trip, and uh, that was the most full schedule that Jason has ever uh, put together for one of these vision trips. So these are just um, something that we do every so often to, to take people out and see it firsthand. And of course, the Utah VBS team gets to be a part of that as well, too. So uh, when you go out there and you see it in person, it just completely changes uh, your understanding and your, your perspective of it and that kind of thing. So it's really great. Um, a lot of events are coming up and are happening. I would direct your attention to the bulletin. And um, under upcoming events and important dates, uh, I won't go through all of these in detail. Uh, there's a number of things coming up, though. There's information on the Utah VBS team, um, our own vacation Bible school. Uh, the other thing is that we are having our annual meeting on September 10th. And so there's just a lot of things that need to happen prior to that, uh, where that just kind of, there's a bit of a domino effect, and so some of the dates are in there for what all needs to happen with the, with the annual meeting, but um, I'm excited uh, about those. I, I like our annual meetings. I think they're uh, just a neat time to just uh, re-explore vision and where God is leading us and what the past year has looked like and that kind of thing. Number of prayer items. Um, first off, uh, most of you have probably uh, heard, heard the call them all or heard the news. Um, Mark Jost was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, technically, it is stage four, but the doctors are optimistic that with surgery and uh, drugs that, that uh, can be beaten. And um, it's, I will let you, you can talk to, to Mark if you want more of the details, but it's uh, in his lungs, melanoma in the lungs. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is a prayer quilt has been put together, and that is uh, on display over at the table. And what we're doing is we're inviting people just this morning, as you have a few minutes, just stop by um, and, and just pray over Mark and pray over the quilt. Those prayer quilts are just a neat thing uh, that, uh, that this church gives to people. It's just a reminder and a tangible expression that we are praying for you. And so, yeah, I would just invite you to just uh, take a few minutes to, to walk by the, the prayer quilt. Or if you like, you can just grab Mark and pray over him as well, too. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and I hope he doesn't mind. I didn't talk to him about that. Um, but so, so something there. We want to continue to pray for um, Tiffany Dick, uh, Leroy and uh, Judy's daughter-in-law. Um, she was in Mayo, and um, I, I think they just about have the cancer beat, but there was, um, yeah, she was just in Mayo for, for more appointments, and, you know, your body takes quite a beating on, on that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, and good news for Kim Goosen. It appears that Kim is now cancer-free, so kind of on the other side of the spectrum. That is just 
um, really, really great. Um, many uh, also, um, I don't know uh, 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 how many have heard, but Dan Goosen passed away uh, this last week on Friday morning, uh, sometime around 5, 5.30. And uh, Dan was a, a pretty remarkable man. I only got to know him in, the, in my last few years here. But uh, just a remarkable, adventurous, uh, God-fearing man. And so his funeral will be this Wednesday. We're going to have a graveside service at 945. Uh, then we'll have uh, a gathering here at the church at 1030. And then a meal after. And uh, you're all welcome to, to come to all of that. And um, we're going to, um, yeah, just spend some time together remembering and, and celebrating Dan. And... Um, and we are happy for Dan. Um, one of the first things Pat told me was that he's eating again. <laughs> and uh, he is. He's eating better than any of us. Um, but, we, but it's definitely something where we grieve for our loss. And so, um, so that will be on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, I think that's about it for welcome uh, for announcements and prayer items. We're going to have a word of prayer. We'll uh, pray together a little bit. And then uh, after that, we'll have the offering. And then afterwards, kids, you're dismissed uh, for the nursery. It's up to ages two. And then kids' time is uh, um, age three to grade five. And uh, after the offertory, um, you'll be dismissed. But let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of life. And God, um, yeah, we just thank you for life this morning. And in so many ways, we are reminded of that. Lord, as we think of people who uh, are battling cancer, people who um, have overcome cancer, Lord, and as we think of family and good friends who have graduated from this earth and are experiencing the truest life imaginable with you. And we call that death, but in, the, in your kingdom, Lord, that's the truest life possible. So God, we thank you for life. We thank you for life on this earth. We thank you for the life after. And Lord, all of it is a gracious gift from you. Lord, this morning as we continue to study, learn, uh, experience, discuss, Lord, we invite your presence here to lead us and to guide us. God, you are so good to us. You are so gracious to us. We love you, Lord. Amen.
So this last week I was in um, Saratoga Springs with uh, Jason and um, every, every time I go I, I learn something new um, and yet there's still so much to learn. Uh, it was very interesting. We were, um, we chatted with a, a gentleman. Jason had arranged uh, for us to do coffee with a gentleman who had been, um, had, had grown up Mormon. His heritage was Mormon. I mean he was just fully invested into this. But the more and more he got into it and studied it and, and learned, um, the more he, he was just like, this, this isn't true. Like, this doesn't fit, this doesn't fit, this doesn't fit. And the response that he would often get is, well, you need to have faith or you just need to take those questions and you just put them on the shelf. And it was interesting because in, in discussing with him how faith worked for him or how he was being told to approach faith is that when all the evidence points towards this not being true, that's where faith comes in to override that and say, well, you know, no, it is true, and I just need to put my questions on the shelf. And, and in Christianity, I feel like for us, faith is all the evidence points towards this being true, and then faith is just that last little bridge to it. And so just these completely different contrasting understandings of how we approach faith. Um, even as we, as I was reflecting on it, so we're, right now we're in this sermon series on serving in your sweet spot, and we're really looking at how God has um, really created each one of us and how he has gifted each one of us uniquely, and so we're kind of doing this neat summer thing where we talk about stuff, and then we do some stuff in tables and discussions, and really just exploring um, what are my spiritual gifts, and what are my passions, and how has God wired me, and what are my experiences so that we can serve in our sweet spot. But even just this concept that we have a God who would give gifts to us and empower us for the sake of blessing others is just totally foreign. I mean, not, not just in the Mormon religion, but in so many other religions. I mean, when, when you think about it, that is just such a good and gracious thing that God would say, Here's, here are ways that that I empower you, that, that I give to you for the purpose of blessing and loving and serving others. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a remarkable concept that, honestly, I, I think is unique to Christianity. I mean, I haven't gone through all the hundreds of other religions out there, but the ones I have encountered, like, this is not a common idea. And so, um, yeah, just really be encouraged by that. Um, Two weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians 4 and just kind of laid the foundation on equipping the saints, and it's kind of interesting because according to Ephesians 4, I have one job, and that is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Now, there are other things that I do, um, and Scripture would even articulate other things, but when you look at that Ephesians account, uh, number one priority is the equipping of you for the work of the ministry. And so this summer, we're kind of focusing in on that. Last week, we talked about what does it mean to honor one another. Um, the four main places where spiritual gifts are mentioned, in each of those main places, right next to it, there's this strong admonition that we love one another, and that it is love for one another that be the undergirding for all of this. And actually, we're going to go through 1 Corinthians 12 today, which talks a lot about spiritual gifts. And also, you see that 1 uh, Corinthians 12, you also see that 1 Corinthians 14 talks a lot about spiritual gifts. And sandwiched right in the middle of that is 1 Corinthians 13, which we often refer to as the love chapter, and we like to use it at weddings and cutesy things like that. But if you look at it in context, it's really all about 
the proper way to show for, for spiritual gifts to be expressed in this world and, and in community. And so we're going to look at that as well, too. But what's in, but, um, so in each of the spots where um, spiritual gifts are mentioned, you also have the strong admonition that we love one another. And the, the word that I was just really drawn to, want, drawn to last week is that we outdo one another in showing honor to one another. And so we explored that, and I had a blast, and you all stuck through to the end, so I take it you enjoyed it too. So um, good stuff. Um, this is, we're going to walk through f- 1 Corinthians 12. Um, last time, um, we did a, a worksheet on, on kind of a little questionnaire on exploring uh, spiritual gifts. Um, if you did that and you brought that back, that's fine. That's great. We'll reference that. If you did not get that done, don't like try to cram and do your homework now. Like it's, it's cool. Just guess or something like that. But I, you know, I don't need to see you all like, um, so yeah, we're just, that's okay. Um, as we're exploring spiritual gifts, here, here's the core thing that, that I want you to remember on this. Spiritual gifts are an expression of the Holy Spirit. They're an expression of a living being who is wanting to work through you for the betterment and the blessing of others. This is not for yourself, and we'll talk about that, and this is not just like a list of talents. Spiritual gifts are a living being the Holy Spirit wanting to express himself to you for the blessing and, and, the, and the betterment of others. Um, spiritual gifts, as we go through this summer thing, we're going to, today we're talking about spiritual gifts. Other points that we're going to talk about, oh, like personal style, ministry passions, that kind of thing, right? And so um, spiritual gifts are actually really vague. Like I could say that, oh, you have the gift of uh, teaching. Teaching what? Uh, teaching to who, right? Like spiritual gifts are kind of like saying I drive a green car. Like it, it actually tells you very little. It's not until you really delve down into um, what people group is it that, that you have this passion or this burden for. Uh, are you more um, uh, interpersonal or more administrative? Are you more uh, structured or unstructured? Um, do you, does your heart break for uh, single moms, for refugees, for the mature Christian, for the new Christian, uh, for kids, for adults, for, for men, for women? What kind of life experiences do you have that God has redeemed? Great verse in the Old Testament, you will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. So what kind of, what kind of experience or hardship have you gone through that God has redeemed that you can now use to, to bless and minister to others? So we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today, but then in the weeks coming, we're going to go into this other stuff because all this stuff just kind of helps you drill down into more detail because honestly, spiritual gifts is really vague. But in going through this today, it gives us some common language and some common terminology on, on just moving forward with this. Most of you are pretty clear on what you're good at and hopefully what you're not good at, um, but this just gives us some common terminology in that. Okay. Uh, good stuff. I'm excited. All righty. Um, a few general thoughts on first, on, um, spiritual gifts. If you have a Bible or you got a Bible app, go ahead and get ready because we're going to walk through first Corinthians 12. Um, spiritual gifts really indicate what you do best. Uh, we're going to be diving into other stuff, personal style. That's more how you do it. Ministry, uh, passion is like where or who you serve, uh, that kind of thing. So this is really kind of the, um, the, the what. Um, these gifts are not here to define you, but simply to help you understand you and how God has empowered you. We're not trying to put anyone in a box. We're just trying to empower you in 
what it is that, that God um, has, um, yeah, ha- has given you. The other thing is that understanding of this helps you serve, but it's not an excuse to not serve. My spiritual gift is uh, administration. So I really can't help out with that because I'm not gifted at loading up chairs. Like, that's just not my thing, right? No, like, we just, we need help with chairs, right? Or, I mean, there will be times where you will be asked to help out with the stuff you're horrible at. And that's cool. We probably all know you're horrible at it, but we just need a little bit of help to to just kind of get through. So spiritual gifts give you clarity on where you can serve, but they're not an excuse to be like, I don't do that. Okay, so, um, yeah. Also, gifts are given in different volumes. Um, Administration. Some people can administer thousands. Some people can administer a home. And and everything in between. Um, Maybe you are really good at just managing the house and finances and kids' schedule and all of this kind of thing. Um, Maybe you can manage things at the church level. You understand... Uh, systems and schedules and Excel and whatnot and that kind of thing. And maybe you can administer at the thousands. There's uh, one pastor out in California. He has a gal in his church who, and this is all like third hand. I haven't verified this. But apparently he has a gal in his church who was like third highest in the IRS. And so her administration skills are just off the charts. And so she will come to him and she will say, I need seven minutes of your time. She doesn't need six. She doesn't need eight. Okay, she needs seven. She needed six, she would have asked for six. She only needs seven. She will say, you, need, you know, if you want to improve your efficiency, you need to do this, 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 and this. And he says, yes. And then he does them. Because her administration skills are just remarkable. And she understands things at a different level. So gifts, gifts are given in, in different volumes. Um, the other thing is that the best way to find out what you're gifted at is just to try and fail at a whole bunch of stuff. And I am okay with that. I love a culture that has just kind of that safe learning environment where you can say, I've never done this before. Can I help out? Ooh, you were awful at that, but thanks for helping out. I'm okay with that. I, I love that kind of safe place learning environment where we can just try and fail. Because if we're trying and failing at a lot of stuff, every so often we're just going to hit it out of the park. And, and those are awesome. And I firmly believe that a good failure, properly mined, you learn about four times as much out of that as your good successes. Because you don't go back and evaluate your good successes. But you'll overanalyze your failures ten times. Right? Rich, rich learning in your failures. Never miss out on, on a good opportunity to learn from that. Um... Two other things cultivate your spiritual gifts, and this includes kids. If your child is a Christian, has Christ in his heart, then he has the Holy Spirit. He or she has the Holy Spirit. And already there is then the buddings of a spiritual gift. Nurture that. Cultivate that. Help them. They probably won't truly figure it out until like they're 60. That's okay. You know, go ahead and work through them. The other thing is that your gift is a gift from God, and so be thankful for that. I have slipped into gift envy more times than I care to discuss from the pulpit. It's a horrible, dark place. Don't go there. Um, just be thankful for what you have. Let's walk through 1 Corinthians 12. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he is correcting them and scolding them. 
So our goal is not to be like the Corinthians because they're kind of getting reamed out. Um, they did have a lot of questions. Maybe some of them were legit questions, and they also just had a lot of kind of bad behavior. So our goal is to, is to not be like the, the Corinthians, so we can learn from this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul starts like this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. It is our responsibility to be informed about spiritual gifts, about what they are, about some kind of common definitions, about how we think God has wired us. And our understanding of how God has wired us will change. I used to think that I had the gift of administration, and then I met Cheryl Lee, and I was like, nope, don't got it. Um, you know, the, at one point in time, I thought that perhaps I was extroverted. That's more of a personality thing. Actually, I'm slightly introverted, but when it's my home turf, I'm hospitable. You put me in a new environment where I don't know anyone, I'm super quiet. But you put me in a place where this is my home turf and you're the guest, then I'm far more outgoing. It took me a long time to figure that out. I couldn't figure out why I was extroverted in one environment and introverted in the other environment. Actually, I have a slight introverted base. I'm just hospitable. So anyways, Paul is saying, I do not want you to be uninformed. So it is our responsibility to be informed on spiritual gifts. Uh, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you, uh, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Good stuff there, probably about three sermons. Verse 4, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Kind of an amusing question is, is Paul saying the same thing three different times, or is he distinguishing between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because he mentions Holy Spirit, he mentions Lord, that would be Jesus, and then he mentions God, who would be God the Father. And kind of the short answer is, we don't really know, and it sort of doesn't make a difference, but it is kind of amusing if you really want to delve into it at some point in time. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of one of the questions from that passage. This is probably the key verse in all of 1 Corinthians 12. There are three hugely important things that we get out of verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each believer, to everyone who has said yes to Christ, to everyone who has the Holy Spirit, to every believer is given... A manifestation of the Spirit. My favorite phrase in all of 1 Corinthians 12. Your spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the third part of the triune God is looking to express himself through you. And so he is going to take a part of who he is and he is going to manifest himself through you, through that spiritual gift for the blessing and the betterment of others. Your spiritual gift is not for you. It's not there so you can climb the ladder. It's not there so you can make a whole lot of cash. It's not there so you can become famous. None of those. Your gift is for the betterment and the blessing of others. That is why we rely so much on the testimony of the church to say whether or not we have a spiritual gift. If you do all the little surveys and you get this gift over here and then the community of believers is like, that should override it because if they're not seeing it because they are to be the recipients those around you are to be the recipients of your spiritual gift and so if they are not seeing it if they are not experiencing it 
then you probably don't have that gift. The survey may say you're hospitable, but no one's been in your home. Probably not hospitable. Or you're just doing a bad job at it or something, right? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Favorite verse. Paul then goes through and he names a couple different gifts. Uh, For to one is given the spirit of utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by this one spirit, uh, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit gets to decide who gets what, and he gives all different kinds of stuff to his body. Paul continues on, and he uses the body as an analogy for the church. And there's so many ways where that's absolutely beautiful. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. One, 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 one. One body, one spirit. We are all unified. Now he's going to go through and unpack that. In this next section, listen to um, who rejects who. For the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong part of the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Here, it's the person rejecting themselves. And Paul is saying, really, you don't have the right, the authority, or the ability, actually, to just break away from the body of Christ. Like, I guess you could be a dysfunctional part of the body of Christ, but you are still a body of the Christ. You don't have the authority, the power, the ability to remove yourself from the body of Christ. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, many parts, yet one body. Again, next section. Listen, who rejects who? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I have heard that if you lose your big toe, you literally have to relearn how to walk. The the, the big toe is actually critical in your balance in walking and running. And yet, I'm willing to bet a $100 bill. No one woke up this morning and was like, thank you, big toe. For just showing up to work again, right? I mean, we put it in a sock, we put it in a shoe, we beat on it all day long. You runners, you are so mean to your big toe. Like, how many miles of abuse must that thing undergo? Yet it's critical. It's like it's just, and there are all other kinds. In in chemistry, we um, or, or in biochemistry, there is a uh, a genetic mutation where this one protein, one protein that you've never heard of, and I can't remember. But that one protein gets messed up, any injury you have reheals as bone. Any, any scratch, any cut, any bruise reheals as bone. These people have a very short life expectancy, right? One protein. 
we, we never give it a second thought, and yet it is indispensable, indispensable for good life and good health. And it, it's the same way with, with our community with, as we look around. We, you can't look at someone and say, eh, you're only like so, so valuable here. Actually, they're indispensable. In some way, they are indispensable. Verse 23, and of those uh, parts of the body we think are less honorable, we stole the greater honor on our unpresentable parts or treated with greater modesty. That's funny if you think about it. Uh, where more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Folks, I don't think that's an encouragement to say be kind to one another. I think Paul is stating the reality that when one of you walks with a limp, we all walk with a limp. And that when one of you is having a great day, all of us somehow feed off your joy and are encouraged. I don't think this is an admonition for behavior. I think he's simply stating reality. I was walking with a friend um, uh, one time, I think in Vancouver, I don't know. His back was starting to hurt because his foot hurt. So he was walking differently to, to favor the, the sore foot, which then threw off his gait, which then made his leg tired, which then made his back tired. It's not that his back was trying to be sympathetic. No, his foot hurt, and so that was affecting his entire body. So... Now, you are, all, um, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. God is appointed in the church. And then he goes through, he lists several um, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, help, administration, kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Then, last phrase, I will show you still a more excellent ways. And then he launches into the one of the most beautiful and, and poetic chapters that we have on love. Because it is love for one another that undergirds all of this. And you may be gifted through the charts or off the charts, but if you don't have love for one another, it is a waste of time for everyone. And that's exactly what Paul says, like in those first five, six verses. You, you, can, you can have the most remarkable gift of, what's the first one that get mentioned? Tongues and you have not love, then you're just an annoying sound to everybody. There is no gift, there is no blessing, there is no purpose in that without love for one another. Spiritual gifts. Uh, spiritual gifts are not natural talents. Uh, cooking, sports, music, that kind of thing. Natural talents are given at birth. Spiritual gifts are given at spiritual birth. Spiritual gifts are unique to believers because they are an expression of the Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, no spiritual gifts. Sometimes a natural talent may get utilized or kind of turned into uh, a spiritual gift, like you will, you will see kind of alignment happen that way, um, but, but there is a distinction. Spiritual gifts are not fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are to be evident in all believers. Spiritual gifts will be specialized to each individual. Also, fruits of the Spirit deal more with your being, with your character, and who you are. They're, whereas spiritual gifts 
um, are more doing qualities. They tend to be more actions and where the recipient is other, other people. Spiritual gifts are not church positions, like pastor, like Sunday school teacher, or small group leader, that kind of thing. I hold the office of pastor. And yet I believe that there are several people in our congregation who are gifted with a pastoral gifting. In fact, I would even say that Erland is a better pastor than I am, whether by skill or by gifting. But I am in the office of pastor because I applied for the job first. And I went to school for it. And that's kind of about it. Just because I am in the office of pastor does not mean I am the only pastor, nor does it mean I am the best at pastoring. We have lots of people in our congregation who have a pastoral gifting, an administrative gifting, a leadership gifting. I simply hold the office of pastor and hopefully have some kind of pastoral gifting sprinkled in there. In fact, actually, there are really five different gifts that get associated with church leadership, um, apostle, prophet, evangelism, pastor, and teacher. And I think a good, healthy church has all five of those working in harmony in leadership positions. And at, for me personally, I would not engage in church planting unless our planning team could say we have all five of those gifts. Spiritual gifts are not Christian disciplines, fasting, prayer, study, tithing, these are things that you practice, there are things that you get better at, um, and, and they are things that develop your character. Some people will have the gift of generosity, yes, but we are all called to tithe. And tithing, as, as I have told you before, I mean, not only, I, I think one of the most remarkable things about tithing is that it trains our heart in how to handle finances and works as a safeguard to make sure that finances do not sit on the throne of our heart. Tithing is very important in our heart training. Um, even intercession. I believe there's a gift of intercession, but we're all called to pray. Um, are all the gifts mentioned in Scripture? My belief is no, because none of the gifts, none of the lists match up. Um... They are expressions of a living being, and I think he can do whatever he wants to do. There appears to be at least one gift, craftsmanship, mentioned in the Old Testament, where God talks about pouring out his spirit upon people to make things, which is kind of odd because that's before the Holy Spirit came, so I'm not entirely sure how that works. And also, just for very simple leader, reason, that worship leader isn't mentioned in Scripture. And yet when I see some of our people on stage leading us in worship, thank you, Sarah, I say that is an expression of the Holy Spirit. I believe that to be a spiritual gift, but it's not mentioned. You're free to disagree with me on that. That's fine. That's just kind of my opinion. One of the um, big things, too, is how do spiritual gifts differ from worldly skills? Because Scripture will talk about the spiritual gift of leadership, and yet we see very non-Christian people excelling at leadership. So what's the difference? The difference is that spiritual gifts are focused on the church and the expansion of God's kingdom. So you may have someone who is an excellent business leader but is not a Christian. But if you put him in charge of leading the church, that's not going to go well. And in fact, if he becomes a, a Christian, I would say I have strong warning against putting them in leadership right away because they need to relearn 
how it is that, that the church is, is led from God's perspective. Spiritual gifts revolve around the church and the expansion of God's kingdom. That's the difference between the worldly skill and the spiritual gift because you see stuff get named for, uh, for both of them, like leadership, administration, that kind of thing. 1 Peter 4.10, each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. 1 Corinthians 12, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Galatians 5.13, you my brothers were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The beneficiary of your spiritual gift is other people, and so the true and final test of your spiritual gift comes through the affirmation of the body of Christ. Um, a few cautions. Some skills can be learned, and then these get misinterpreted as gifts. Your mom may have been hospitable, just amazing. Like, everyone always came over, the missionaries always stayed at your place. She was a remarkable, remarkable host. So you learned hospitable skills. You learned snacks and chocolates on the pillow and vacuum floor and whatever else goes into it. So you learn the skill, but that's not actually your gift. So sometimes we can learn a skill and that gets confusing because we think it's, it's a spiritual gift. Also, sometimes what will happen is that um, there's this, well, what I would call like a gift projection where it's kind of this do as I do. And so you might have those with the gift of mercy are criticizing others for not ministering more to the hurting people in crisis and hospitals and, and inner city. And those with the gift of evangelism are expecting others to share their faith with like five people a day. And what, you've been on three plane rides and no one got saved and, you know, that kind of thing. So you have to be careful of that. Where you're, it's your gift, so it's easy for you. And it's not so easy for the rest of us. Uh, the other thing is just where we over-elevate one gift and we say mine is more important than yours, and that's not true. Um, last thought on this before we break up into groups. We talked about love being a foundation for all of this. There are other foundations as well, too. There was a gal in uh, Abbotsford who I would say was exceptionally gifted in prophecy. Um, and we can... She wouldn't tell your future. She would just give you encouraging words from the Lord and make you cry all the time. Um, but what I appreciated about her is that she was very experienced. She was very wise. And she was very loving. And because of that, when she expressed her gift, it was, it was a good thing. You have to have these, these pillars, these foundations of good character, of love for one another, of experience and of wisdom in your gift of wisdom in general and when you don't have one of those actually you you're really in danger of crashing and burning and the bigger your gift if you don't have those pillars in place the greater your likelihood that you will crash and burn and take a lot of people with you in a really hurtful way there's just critical foundational pillars that that have to be in place one of them just being experienced um, if you have the gift of administration you should read every book you can find on administration. You should know, you should be mentored by other administrative people. You should mentor others in administration. You are constantly both the teacher and the pupil when it comes to administration. You, you are seeking to, to master that gift. But you are also uh, 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 seeking to grow in your character, the fruits of the Spirit. You're seeking to love one another, right? Very critical foundations that have to be in play for this to work.
we're going to um, break up into groups here pretty soon. Um, if you are a table leader, I'm going to go ahead and invite you to, um, to go ahead and head to a table. We have a lot of table leaders who are in and out all summer, and so uh, we're just kind of going with the flow. There are packets there on the table um, with the discussion questions and a description of each of the gifts. An important part of this is just having a similar uh, definition for each of them. Um, there's also pens. By the pens is a much longer uh, explanation of the spiritual gifts. I only printed out a copy because it's close to 40 pages, uh, but if you would like a copy, go ahead and take one or write down your email address. I will email it. Um, just kind of a heads up on that long... Actually, two heads up. First of all, I didn't write this. I just Googled it, so if there's some horrible heresy in it, not my bad. I just I didn't read it well. Um, that longer explanation does include gifts that are more controversial in North America, stuff like um, exorcism, martyrdom, volunteer poverty, that kind of thing. All the gifts, though, that we consider uh, controversial tend to be gifts that aren't expressed in North America, right? Like martyrdom. Paul hints at it in 1 Corinthians 13, but you and I just don't know a lot of martyrs, and it's hard to interview them afterwards. So it's just, that's kind of one of those ones where it's like, is that a gift? Is that not a gift? We don't really know. So, th so the packet talks about some of those, whether or not it's true or not, I'm not sure, just explore and learn and, and that kind of thing. Um, I'll give you guys about half an hour to, to go through that, and then we're going to come back and uh, worship through music, through a couple songs, and um, I think that's about it. So let me pray, and uh, then we'll have some, some small group discussion. Yes? Oh, good question. Um, if possible, try to stick with your similar group. If not, just sit wherever. Um, there are, if your table has a, a pre-designated table leader, that's someone who's just going to guide you through the discussion. Um, if your table does not have a pre-designated table leader, just vote them in. That's, that's fine. Um, as we are doing this, some of this is things like the surveys that we did last week. Some of it is just personal reflection, but also a critical part of this is you guys speaking into one another's lives. And so one of the biggest things I would say is as you look for a group, look for people that you trust. Look for people where you respect their opinion. Um, look for people that, that know you well or, or maybe don't know you well. They're just kind of going off first impressions. But a significant part of it is, is speaking into one another's lives. Um, so anyways, yeah, uh, try to stay in the same group if possible. If not, just sit at a table with people that you like or at least aren't super annoying, are, are kind of okay. So thank you, John. Heavenly Father, um, you are so incredibly gracious that you, give us, that, that you give us gifts. And today, Lord, we are seeking to learn um, about how you have empowered and equipped each one of us so that we can serve in our sweet spot, so we can serve with love and joy and stamina and passion and excitement and enthusiasm for the, for the betterment of others, for the expansion of your kingdom. And God, that's exhilarating. That is fun stuff. And so, Lord, as we continue on this journey, Lord, I pray that you would give us incredible insight. Lord, I pray that you would give us affirming, true words for one another. And God, we pray that in all of this, that you would be glorified, that your kingdom would grow and expand, 
and that all of us would fall more in love with you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for this moment. 